Welcome and thank you for tuning in to the Grace Assembly of God Sermon Podcast. Grace exists to help people discover a life of purpose in Jesus Christ through discipleship and serving one another. If you would like additional information, visit us online at www.graceofbelair.com. Again, thank you for joining us and enjoy this week's message. Well, we're going to continue in our series this morning on serving God and serving people. All right, and uh, in, so if you've been following our Bible reading plan, okay, we're be, we've been going through the Gospels together as a church, and uh, we just finished up Matthew, okay? And something we've been doing as a pastoral staff, we've been going through, um, you know, we've been taking some of the passages that we kind of read throughout the week, and we, you know, kind of expand on those and preach on that as we go through our series, right? So it's keeping us engaged as we go along. So um, this week we find ourselves in the book of Mark, okay? So this is, there's four uh, accounts of Jesus's life in the Bible. There's four books um, that talk about the life of Jesus. So Mark is book number two, okay? And this is where we are going to find ourselves today. And we're going to talk about a story, okay? We're going to talk about a story that begins with a choice. And it's Jesus choosing a person, okay? So, so how many of you know that when we choose something, we often have like a list of criteria or a checklist for something, right? Like if I'm, uh, you know, thinking of purchasing a house or purchasing a car or something along those lines, right? I have Something like, okay, it needs to have this, it needs to have this, and it needs to have that. It needs to have a nice bay window overlooking the sea. And that's when I will know that that's the house for me. And I didn't plan to rhyme that, but it did. So I'm going to relate that. Keeping with the, the theme of football today, I'm going to talk about fantasy football. How many of you do fantasy football? Wow. I thought there would be a lot more. I'm like, come on. My fantasy football people, where are you at? Thank you. All right, there you go. So fantasy football, what that is, okay, comes around every year, and it's great. You get together with your friends or whatever, and basically you draft people from all different teams in the NFL to your team, okay? So on your team, you have a quarterback, you have running backs, you have wide receivers, tight ends, defense, kickers, so on and so forth, okay? So what you're doing One by one, let's say there's 12 people in your group. One by one, you take a turn and you pick someone on your team. Me being a Patriots fan, obviously, you know, Tom Brady. There you go. So, number one. Uh, So, anyways, on your fantasy team, right, you have a list of criteria. I want the best running back, okay, because they get so many points, okay? And then you're thinking of, okay, this guy had a... Had an amazing, he didn't have a good start to the season last season, but towards the end, he was starting to get really good, so I see some potential, you know, so I'm going to pick him. Or, oh, this guy just came out of college, and he's going to do great this year, all right? There's a lot of predictions about him. So we create these lists, right? And, and I'm telling you, like, this could be, like, this is a serious course, fantasy football, because people seriously research this stuff for hours. They will research player after player after player and seeing which one do I need to get on my team? Who needs to get on there? And then when someone gets injured, you're like, man, okay, no longer useless, you're off my team. But anyways, we, we research these things, right? And, and with this, we have these lists of criteria. But then we come to this story in the book of Mark, where Jesus chooses a person, this man called Levi. And it's very interesting because Right? There's this man that is talked about in the Bible that people will be reading for thousands and thousands of years. And you have to wonder, what was so amazing about this guy? 
So we try and research. We try and say, okay, like, what kind of stats did Levi have? Was he, you know, a big religious leader? Was he this? Like, you know, what was so important about this guy that we talk about him and that he is in this book? Can I tell you something? You know what is so important about this man? Nothing. Absolutely nothing. Levi is just your normal guy. We're going to talk a little bit more about Levi's life in a second. But you see, Jesus is at a point in his ministry, okay? We're in Mark chapter 2, and Jesus is at a point in his ministry where he is at the height of his popularity, okay? The height of his popularity. Crowds of people are coming to see this Jesus. And it all started when Jesus was talking in a synagogue, and he was teaching the word, and then all of a sudden this demon-possessed man comes up to him, and was like, what are you doing here? So what does Jesus do? Be quiet and come out of this man, and the demon leaves. So people are like, oh my gosh, who preaches with such authority? Like, who is this guy? Then we see more scenarios where Jesus is healing the sick and casting out demons and preaching the word with authority. And people, and people are like, man, who is this guy? And news spreads like wildfire. And all of a sudden, the whole countryside of Galilee knows about this Jesus and wants to find this Jesus. They want to find where he's at. And it's so cool because... In, in Mark, it says that he couldn't even publicly enter a town anymore. Because once he did, people would just swarm him. And, it's, and this is like an introvert's nightmare, okay? Just imagine, like everywhere you go, people swarm you. Um, but that, and Jesus had to go to the countryside. He had to go in remote places so that there would be enough room for people to gather and listen to his teaching, right? Jesus could have picked anyone. Jesus had so many people following him. There could have been doctors. There could have been lawyers. There could have been this person and that person. So many people who are qualified to be his follower. But Jesus, he doesn't have a criteria like we do. He's not looking for the person with this best thing, with this best thing, with this best thing. What he is looking for, he's just looking for a person. Jesus chooses. That's it. He chooses, regardless of anything, regardless of what, but he chooses. He chooses. And that's the beautiful thing about Jesus. And, and I'm so thankful that I didn't have to, you know, have, be on this list and this list and this list in order for him to choose me. But he says, hey, I'm going to choose that person. I'm going to turn their life around, and I'm going to use that person for my glory. And that's amazing. And that's exactly what he did with this man called Levi. That's exactly what he did. So, Let's, um, so we're going to start in our, in our text this morning, and the title of the message today is, Who Are You Inviting? This comes from the concept of Jesus inviting this man to follow him. And, um, and the first point that we're actually going to talk about is how followers of Christ invite others to follow. Okay, we're, and, and what we're learning, we're looking at what Jesus is doing, because Jesus came to be an example to us. Jesus came to serve and to show us how to live, show us how to serve. So what we're going to do, we're going to go through this text together. We're going to see what Jesus is doing. We're going to take that. We're going to apply that to our lives and see, Lord, how can I become more like you? Lord, how can I take what you, what you are teaching and how can I apply that to my life? So with that being said, let's read verses 13 and 14 together in Mark 2. And he went out again by the seashore, and all the people were coming to him, and he was teaching them. Okay, let's stop there for one second. So again, right, Jesus is out by the seashore. He's out, and he's teaching people. 
crowds of people. Okay? Crowds everywhere. Let's continue. Yep. My bad. One of the bad things about having a nice beard. Um, continue. Verse 14. As he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting in the tax booth, and he said to him, follow me. And he got up and followed him. Okay? This is, this is the majority of what we know about Levi. Okay? Three things. His name is Levi. He's the son of Alphaeus. And he's a tax collector. Okay? Pretty amazing, right? So when you're researching about him, this is what you find. <laughs> okay? But... We're going to expand on these things a little bit, okay? Because there's more to it. You'll be like, oh, he's a tax collector. Cool. But did you know in that time frame, tax collectors were one of the most hated people in Israel? One of the most hated people. You'll be like, why was this guy hated so much? I mean, okay, I can understand. No one wants to pay taxes. I understand that. But why would someone hate this man so much? So in this time period, tax collectors, they were very dishonest people. Extremely dishonest. Let's say the government was asking for 2% of something. Well, you know what? They can, they can make up their own stuff. They could be like, oh, actually, we need 4% of what you have right here. Oh, actually, you're not allowed to cross the board with this. We're, gonna, we're just going to take that. Okay? So they would make up their own, they would make up their own things. They would make up their own percentages, and they would steal and rob people for themselves. They would do that for themselves. So no one really liked tax collectors because they knew that, like, they knew that even though they were speaking in the name of the Roman government, they knew that they were taking money for themselves, all right? So that's, that's number one, is that Levi is a tax collector. But the second thing is that Levi is a Jewish man, okay? And the important thing about this is that this Jewish man, Levi, worked for Rome. And, and that's an important thing as well because Rome was like the enemy of Israel, right? Israel was no longer an independent nation. They were not free. They were actually praying for a Messiah. They were praying for a Savior who would come, who would break that Roman rule, and they would once again be independent, okay? So for this Jewish man, Levi, to be working for the government, it was like, this guy's a traitor. He's betraying us. How can, how can this man work for, for the Roman government and, 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 you know, and, and just dishonor his people. How could they do that? And it was said of these tax collectors, these Jewish tax collectors, that, the, that these were men who desired money more than they desired honor and righteousness. And he, people would even go as far to say that they were half Jews, that they were not even fully Jewish, just because of this profession, just because of, of the betrayal that they felt. And, and lastly, right, so all this stuff about Levi, but the cherry on top of this is that his name is Levi. And this is very important, okay? Levi, if you go back to the Old Testament, is one of the tribes of Israel. And not just any tribe. This is a tribe of priests. So his lineage, Levi, is most likely found in this tribe of priests, so, right, your whole heritage is this line of priests, and then you yourself are kind of going off, and you're betraying your country, and you're working as a tax collector, a dishonest man. You're working as a tax collector. Like, man, this was the life of Levi. Jewish man with some heritage working as a tax collector. 
This is the man that Jesus chooses, right? Fascinating. You have to wonder, like, Jesus, why would you pick this man? Out of the whole crowd, out of everyone that you could have chosen, why did you choose this man? But Jesus saw a man who was in need of a touch of the grace of God. That's the thing, church. This is what we see from Jesus. This is one of the first lessons we see from Jesus, is that he came for the outcasts. He's not looking for the most educated people, the most pious people. He's not looking for those people for necessarily those people to be his followers, but he's just looking to take people out of their situations and use them for his glory. See, we, if you read earlier in Mark, you see how Jesus chooses fishermen, right? Just normal people with, with a trade that they fish. He chooses fishermen. He doesn't go to the synagogues to, to, you know, narrow down, like, who's the best one? And he doesn't go to the temple to see, like, okay, who has the most experience in the Torah? No. But he just walks along, and he sees people, and he says, I could do something with their life. I can do something with them. You know, and, and, and let's thank God this morning, church. Let's pause here for a second, and let's thank God. Because, right, we were all in the shoes of Levi. At some point in our lives, before we came to knowing Christ, we were in the shoes of Levi, where we were outcasts from God, where we were separated from God, where we lived for ourselves, right? But then God came and he chose us and he invited us to follow him. Not because of what we've done, not because we're righteous, but he says, hey, listen, I, listen, I can take you out of that situation. Follow me. Follow me and I will make you and I will use you for my glory. And I will do this and I will do that and I will do that. That's what God loves to do. And we see that here. And we were all in those shoes at some point. He took on our sin. He took on our shame. And, he's, and he removed that from us. So Jesus teaches us as followers of Christ, right? This is what we learn. Is, to, is that followers of Christ invite others to follow. We're not called to be part of the crowd. And this is what, what I mean by that. You see in, right, We've been talking about how these crowds are following Jesus. How they come and they're, and they're following him to see his miracles, to listen to his teaching. And, and like, yeah, I'll be part of the thrill and a part of the hype. But then what happens when you come to the end of the book of Mark? Or what happens when you come to the end of each gospel account? Where Jesus is hanging on the cross and where are those crowds? Those crowds are no longer there. They're, there, they're just there for the thrill and the experience. But see, true followers of Christ take his teaching, take his teaching and apply it to their lives and live that out. That's our calling, church. We invite others to follow along and experience what it is to live for Christ. And we have a message to share. And this whole series on serving God and serving people, right, it's not about having blinders on us like horses have, right? They have these blinders. And it's like, okay, only you, God. Only you. But no, we're open. We, we have to be looking for those around us. This, that's the first thing that we see. Jesus says, he passed by and he saw. He saw. And that's what our calling is that we need to see. We need to not be so focused, me focused, and not seeing anyone else around us. 
but to take those blinders off and to see those who are in need around us of the touch of God. Amen. And I really need to hand it to Levi here because he left his post to follow Jesus. And unlike the fishermen, right, the fishermen who could, right, when they left their post, they could have gone back, right? Most of them worked for themselves or they worked for their fathers. They could have gone back to be, to, to fish. But this man working for the government, he left his post just like that and followed Jesus. How many of you know that, right, working for the government and you leave your post, you know you're not getting a job back, right? Am I right? But he lived with abandon. He said, there was something about this Jesus that I need to follow. There's something about him. And following Jesus costs something, right? It costs this man his job. But it's worth it. Because we have everything to gain when we follow Christ. Absolutely everything to gain. So that's point number one. Point number two, followers of Christ invite people to stay. Let's read verse 15 together. And and it happened that he was reclining at the table in his house, and many tax collectors and sinners were dining with Jesus and his disciples, for there were many of them, and they were following him. All right, so I love this part in the story because Jesus now invites Levi another tax collectors and sinners to, to his home, to eat with him. And this is such a beautiful picture of the gospel. It's such a beautiful picture of Jesus just inviting people over to his house. So let's talk about this word sinners for, for a second, because you'll be like, who, who are these people? Tax collectors and sinners, what does that mean? So these were Jewish men, okay, who did not adhere to the law. So in Israel, there was this group of people, these religious leaders, who taught that, like, right, you need to follow this rule, this rule, this rule, this rule, this rule, and then you will be, you are righteous, you are holy, and you need to follow in these ways. And if you do not, well, you're considered unclean. So, or you're considered a sinner. So they were very rules-based. These religious leaders were rule-based, not so much on the relationship side of things. So these sinners, right, that we're talking about, these are men who are outcasts, who have been put on them. Oh, they don't follow the law. So you know what? We're just going to put them off to the side. We're not going to worry about them. We're going to just put them off to the side, and that's it. You're here. You're here. Okay? You cannot pass this point. See, that's what these religious leaders were doing to these Jewish men who needed someone to invest in their lives. But what does Jesus do? He invites them into his home. He invites them to stay with him. And, you know, Jesus isn't just inviting them over for a pizza for 30 minutes and then sending them on their way. You know, he says, they reclined together at the table. And the beautiful picture of this is that, right, inviting someone over to your home for dinner, inviting someone over to have a meal with you was reserved for the most intimate friendships. Not just anyone would come over, right? It could almost be said of today, right? You don't just invite anyone over. But specifically in this time frame, in this context and culture, you didn't just invite anyone over. No, you didn't. 
But Jesus is making a statement here. He's treating these outcasts as friends. And Jesus takes the time to get to know these people. He gets to know these men who have been treated like outcasts their whole lives and treats them with love and grace. Instead of giving them the cold shoulder, he's saying, come, come and dine with me. Come, and I'm going to get to know you. Come, I want to hear about your life. Come, I want to fellowship with you. We invite others to stay. In these past two Sundays, we place an emphasis on Christian community. We have small groups that are starting up, and, and right, we focus so much on that because Christian community is so important. Just as Kayla said while, while she was leading, she said, right, we're living in eternity now, right? So congratulations because we're all in this together, right? Congratulations because, hey, you know, eternity together, right? And it's so important to, to grow in Christian community. We're meant to do life together. But church, let's not forget about the community that is outside of grace. Let us not forget about the community that needs to hear the gospel, that needs to hear that Jesus saves, that needs to hear that Jesus forgives sin, that Jesus takes on shame. Let's make sure, let's make sure that what we're doing, everything that we can to invest in our communities. Right, just at the beginning of our sermon series, we talked about being salt and light. We're salt and light to our neighbors, to our friends, to our co-workers, to our families. Our church community is not this closed group. You know, we're not this, you know, private club. And you need to do this, this, and this in order to get into the club. No. We're open, and we invite people, come and stay. Come and hear the good news of this gospel. And that's why the title of this message is, Who Are You Inviting? Who are you inviting to share the gospel with? Who are you building relationships with in your community? And I was just talking in youth group on Wednesday night about it's, it's not just, we're, our goal is not just telling people about Jesus, but it's showing people Jesus, right? It's easy to say, Hey, you need Jesus. I'll never see you again. But now you know. But how many of you know it's different when you're investing in, into someone's life? When you're getting to know them, that you're caring about, hey, how's your family doing? Oh, I heard that they were sick. I was really praying for them. Or, hey, like, I know that your, your daughter had a test. I was really praying that she would, you know, do well on your test. Hey, I know that, that one of your family members just passed away. How are you doing with that? You know, we invest in people's lives. And that's showing Jesus because then when the opportunity comes to share that, hey, you need to hear about this Jesus who saves and who gives life, then they're open to hearing the gospel, right? Then they're open to that. We're called to show people the gospel. We're called to not just tell people, but we're called to invite and invite them to stay, invite to do life with them. And, and Jesus shows us by, he didn't just speak out in public. He didn't just speak out in public. He didn't just teach by the shore and the seas all day. And then, you know, once the day ended, he just threw on Netflix and was like, all right, that's it. I'm just going to pe- uh, preach publicly, and then that's it. That's all I have with you people. But no, he invites people to his home. He invites people to come and to stay. Gets to know them, and I love that. And, the, and, the, and just the last thing on this, on this point, you know, Jesus, um, he wasn't partying up and doing what these sinners and outcasts were doing. 
right? Some people might look at this passage and say, like, oh, Jesus was hanging out with these guys. Jesus was, you know, doing what they were doing. doing. This passage doesn't give us permission to do what the world does to reach the world. But we're called to bring the gospel to the world, the same way that Jesus is inviting them in and bringing the gospel to them. And every single word in this book has the power to change a life. These are God's words, right? That's why we call this his word. And he breathed life into this word so that anyone who can open this book and read can be changed by that. You know, Jesus wasn't being influenced. And that's what the religious, these religious leaders in Israel were thinking, right? When they saw that Jesus was inviting them into their home, they, they were like, wow. Jesus is being influenced by these guys. Or, oh, once this starts, he's going to, you know, he's just going to go a downward spiral. He shouldn't do that. Blah, blah, blah. But, you know, Jesus wasn't being influenced, but he was showing grace and he was sharing truth with them. People need to know that we care because we're a reflection of a God who cares. Can I hear an amen to that? We're a reflection of a God who cares. Let's be followers who invite others to stay. And then point number three, followers of Christ invite others to invite others. And no, that's not a spelling error. Play on words there. We invite others to invite others. Verses 16 through 17, let's read this together. When the scribes of the Pharisees saw that he was eating with the sinners and tax collectors, they said to his disciples, why? Is he eating and drinking with tax collectors and sinners? And hearing this, Jesus said to them, It is not those who are healthy who need a physician, but those who are sick. I did not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Amen. This is the last part of the story, and this is where Jesus encounters these religious leaders that we've been talking about, right? And of course, there's always someone that got to crash the party. There's always got to be someone, right? And, and these men, right, they were skeptical of what Jesus was doing. They were skeptics. They were skeptical. And as you continue to read in your, in your Bibles, as you read through the Gospels, you're going to see that these men keep coming up over and over and over again. That they come to a point where Jesus isn't doing this. Oh, why is he doing it this way? Oh my gosh, I can't believe he said that. I can't believe he did this. And you know what? They're just looking at what he's doing. And they're skeptical. They're like, no, he shouldn't be doing that. No, no, no. And it comes to a point where they're like, we need to destroy this guy. We need to get rid of him. No, he's just going way off now. He's going far off. We need to get rid of this guy. Jesus encounters them. You see, these religious leaders held fast to the verse in Leviticus 19.2, which says, You shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. They were very me-focused. They were very me-focused because they didn't want to do anything that would tarnish their holiness. And that's why these men refrained from these tax collectors and their sinners. Because these outcasts, right, they didn't adhere to the law. They didn't adhere to the law. So they were considered unclean. And if the religious and pious Jews associated with these men, then there would be the possibility of them becoming unclean, right? This can be summed up in the common saying, bad company corrupts corrupts good character. They were afraid. And the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they were very 
more on the rules side of things. They were very rules-focused. When Jesus is showing, you need to be relationship-focused. Just saying, I didn't come to right, abolish the law. He's like, I'm not trying to throw everything that, you know, out the window. He's like, but I'm, I've come to fulfill it. I've come to fulfill the law. I've come to show you that, hey, there, is, there are people out there that need to hear the truth, who, who are lost, who are outcasts, who need to hear this news so that they could come and that they could follow. You see, sometimes we read this and we're like, oh, here we go. Jesus is bashing those religious leaders again. Jesus is bashing those Pharisees. Yeah, get him, Jesus. No, but he's challenging their way of thinking. He's challenging them because he cares for them too. He cares for them too. Sometimes they could get such a bad rap where they're like, where people think, oh yeah, don't be like them because they're hypocritical. It's more like hypercritical. They were doing what they, you know, they were just like following the rules because that's what they've been taught. Follow the rules, follow the rules. But Jesus now is teaching something different where it's like, no, let's share the gospel this way. All right? Let's take the focus off of the rules, but now let us be relationship focused. And this is why he brings up that verse about, right, like the sick people, they need a physician. Right? It's not the healthy people that need a physician. It's the sick people. And, and, and this is what like, some of the religious leaders were doing. They were saying, all right, I'm not going to talk to you, but once you get healthy, then you may come. Right? How, how twisted is that? What if a doctor were to do that to you, right? Doctor, man, I've, I've been like, struggling with this for weeks. I just need help. When you're healthy, I will help you. Come see me when it passes. Even if it takes a few months, that's okay. Just, yeah, okay? Because, right, I don't want to get sick. How many of you know that's pretty, like, huh? Like, wait, what am I paying you for? (laughs) What's wrong with you, right? So Jesus is reflecting it that way. He's challenging them, saying, right, like, you have the ability to join with me and to take what you know so much of. You study this word so much. You study the Torah. You study God's word. Now, now look at the overall picture of what I'm sharing and follow me. Because once you, he, Jesus was inviting the Pharisees and the, and the religious leaders. He was inviting them to invite others. He was inviting them to build relationships. Not just to say, halt. No, come back later. No. He was inviting them, invite people and share what you know. Share the teaching of the gospel. Share that. And leaders, we are called to serve people. And that's what Jesus is sharing. We're called to serve people. And every single one of you in this room who's a follower of Christ, you are a leader. You may say, I don't have leadership qualities, Pastor Daniel. I'm not a leader. You're a leader. Right? Because we're not just called, right, going back to the blinders, we're not just called to follow God and then forget everyone else on the side. But we're called to follow God and then, hey, come alongside with me. Hey, come with me. Come, 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 come. That's what we're called to do. We're called to invite others. So Jesus is inviting these religious leaders to invite others in the same way that he's inviting us, you and I, to invite others. Right? We lead our families and our kids and our friends, our coworkers, our students, and so on and so forth. We, we lead them 
And we serve them. We're called to serve. Jesus invites us in this mission. We're called to help one another remember that mission. Going back to Christian community, right? We're called to challenge one another. That's why we do these small groups and connect groups, right? It's not just so that you can have a good time, but it's for you to build relationship. It's for you to connect. It's for you to connect because you know what? The best friends that you will ever have are the ones that are going to, right, challenge you and speak to you. Right? How, you know, how many of you love those friends who, like, see that you're doing the wrong thing or see that you're going off and don't say anything? But a true friend says, hey, man, I love you. I'm going to speak this in love. I'm going to speak this in love. I've, I've noticed that you've been doing this. Let's talk about that. Right? That is what we're trying to build here. Connect groups aren't just another place for you to have fun, which we, we do have fun. Right? We do have fun, but, but, it's at, but we're making connections within the body. We're connecting. We're building friendships, strong friendships that are going to last for eternity. And we're there to challenge one another and to push one another. Say, hey, you know, hey, let's keep going in this. Hey, you know, I know that you're feeling this way, but come on, let's keep going. Right? We're called. That is what the church is. So let's, as the body of Christ, let's keep each other accountable. Let's keep each other accountable to this. Right? I need you guys, I need you all to speak into my life. We all need each other to speak into each other's lives. Right? And I'm not exempt from this. That's what I love about even just, you know, Kayla and I will be getting married soon and just being on this journey together. Right? We push and we challenge one another. And I'm like, whoa, like I never even noticed that about myself. Thank you. Y'all know that, Yeah. <laughs> Man, you probably realize, man, you probably realize, like, oh, man, I didn't realize that. (laughs) Right? But see, having people that you're giving the opportunity to speak into your life, right, they're going to notice things that you don't even notice about yourself. We need that. We need that. We need that. Jesus, what he's doing, he's challenging in love. He's not bashing them. He's challenging them in love. And that's what we're called to do as the body of Christ. We challenge one another in love. So I challenge you this morning. I'm inviting you with me. Let's invite others. Let's take time to get to know these people in our communities, these people that need to hear the gospel. Let us go out. Let us not be so confined to just our our church body. But let us reach out. Let us reach out. That's what Jesus does, right? It's the the sick who need a physician, right? And we have that medicine, which is the gospel of Jesus Christ. We have that. So let's not hold on to that, right? Because it's useless. right? How many of you know that you're not going to touch those pills in the the cabinet in your bathroom, right, when you're you're better, right? No, I'm not going to touch that. But hey, for someone else who's in need, got something for you. So that being said, we're going to conclude this morning by coming to the table, and I'm going to invite the um, 
I'm going to invite the music team to come forward. And I think this is just such an appropriate way to end our time together this morning. Jesus invited these men, these sinners, these outcasts to eat and dine with him at this table. And what are we doing this morning? We are coming to the table of the Lord to remember what he's done for us. And what did he do? God, the Father, sent his one and only Son, Jesus Christ. He sent him to this earth to serve. The God of the universe, the God of the universe to serve. To serve and to die a brutal death on the cross so that our sin may be wiped away and that we may spend eternity with him. And he invited us to the table. He did that for you and I. And for those of you who want that. You know, and so we're going to take communion together. But I also want to say, if you are here this morning and you are hearing this word and you're like, I've never made that decision to follow Jesus. But I would like to and I want to. I don't know how to do that, but, but, I, but I'm interested in that. If that's you that, this morning... At the end of service, at this table, at this connect table right here, there's going to be some people who, who are going to be there to answer any of your questions, to guide you through that. We have some resources for you. We have, you know, a Bible and just some other stuff to help with that. Okay? So at this time, I'm going to invite the ushers to come forward. And I'm going to invite you to partake of this.